Coming up on HIGMT, lots of Tesla news this week, and I dive into my past purchases and leases of vehicles and discuss why Tesla is a better value for your hard-earned dollar. Welcome to How I Got My Tesla, the podcast of indeterminate length for Saturday, August 22nd, 2020, episode four in Ottawa, Ontario. I'm Matt Wilson. Let's start off with a few Tesla things you should know. Close watchers of Tesla's Fremont plant in California have noticed that there is something new there. According to Elon Musk, the biggest casting machine ever has recently been delivered and installed. This casting machine will make the Model Y rear body in a single piece, including the crash rails. Now, when Elon Musk says the rear body, I wonder if he actually means the rear frame. I'm not exactly sure. Um, so this casting machine is going to be using aluminum over steel. If successful, this casting machine will also be installed at Gigafactory Shanghai and Berlin, where other Model Ys are planned to be produced. And Tesla is also planning to have the entire body of the Model Y produced from one casting, reducing the current parts count from 70 down to 4. Is Elon Musk channeling Henry Ford in auto manufacturing? According to Axios.com, they have an article that compares Elon Musk to Henry Ford when it comes to in-house design and manufacturing efficiencies. Similar parallels can be found for both Elon and Henry when they are discussing how they started their first company. Elon Musk has recently said that Tesla's long-term competitive advantage will actually be from manufacturing. Cleantechnica.com has a long-form article where he discusses this further. They also have a few factory tours of the Fremont uh, facility. In the article, they discuss the importance of efficiency and innovative manufacturing in the electric vehicle space and the difficulties borne by any manufacturer of automobiles. Pivoting away from Tesla's automobiles, there is an article from Construction Review Online indicating that Tesla has recently broken ground on the world's largest battery storage facility. Pacific Gas and Electric is teaming up with Tesla for the construction of the world's largest battery storage facility that will be located in Moss Landing, California. Planned to be launched in 2021, this storage facility will have the initial capacity of 182 megawatts and an option to expand to 1.2 gigawatts in the future. At 1.2 gigawatts in size, that would be enough power to supply every home in San Francisco for six hours. Two-factor authentication is coming soon to Tesla's mobile app. TechCrunch has an article quoting Elon Musk saying that it was embarrassing late in enabling second-factor authentication to their Tesla app. The second-factor authentication will be done via SMS or through a separate authenticator app. Experts suggest that second-factor authentication through SMS is vulnerable to SIM switching, so having the separate authenticator app is a great alternative. Following up on my discussion last week where Tesla is offering vehicle wrap service in China, Inside EVs has a story where a recent Model Y owner has requested an inspiring vehicle wrap to be completed by Signature Custom Wraps in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. You can check out the article for some amazing pictures of the work that was done to transform the Model Y from Stormtrooper White to Emperor's Royal Guard Red. I wonder if Tesla will offer their vehicle wrapping service to other areas outside of China. More electric vehicle charging stations will be available at Parks Canada places. I have a couple articles in the show notes indicating that the Governor Canada is delivering more options for Canadians to experience our national parks while doing so emission-free. 
38 of Canada's most popular parks will have Tesla-donated electric vehicle charging stations. Tesla has recently donated Level 2 charging stations, half of them dedicated to Teslas, and the other half would be dedicated to other electric vehicles using the J1772 connector. This supports Canada's goal to have 100% of passenger zero-emission vehicle sales by 2040. Could this be an indication that Tesla is building a small city car? Carbuzz.com has a story where Tesla is planning a small electric vehicle pointed towards the EV market in China. Designed and engineered in China for worldwide consumption, this car will be smaller than a typical Model 3 or Model Y. Tesla is currently advertising for new positions in China to design this car, including a design manager, creative manager, senior car designer, design quality specialist, and graphic designer. And for now, I think I'm going to call this car a Model C just because it's probably going to be a little bit more compact and mainly made for China. So I'm going to call it a Model C. What are the maintenance costs for a Tesla S over 300,000 miles? Carscoops.com has a story based off of a used P85 Model S purchased in 2014. This was probably a 2012 model year. Over the last eight years, a Model S owner has driven over 288,000 kilometers and have had to pay about $5,400 in maintenance. This includes $2,200 for a new infotainment screen, $790 for a new charging point, two sets of tires, a replacement door handle, and a new 12-volt battery. This averages to about $675 per year compared to a study that was done by AAA in 2017, which concluded that new vehicles require on average $1,200 per year in maintenance and repairs. InsideEVs.com has a story showing that the Tesla Model Y highway efficiency nearly matches that of the Model S and very close behind the Model 3. German electric car rental company Next Move performed the highway efficiency test and it showed that the Tesla Model 3 was pulling 18.5 kilowatt hours per 100 kilometers driven. The Tesla Model S was pulling 19.4 kilowatt hours per 100 kilometers driven. And the Model Y was closely following with 19.9 kilowatt hours per 100 kilometers driven. The Tesla Model X landed last at 24.1 kilowatt hours per 100 kilometers driven. Tesla Gigafactory Nevada is getting another battery production line thanks to Panasonic and their investment of another $100 million. Panasonic to invest this $100 million to create another battery cell production line. Currently, there are 13 lines already in production. Panasonic is also looking to increase the energy capacity contained within each cell. I suspect there will be more news regarding this investment and the capacities contained within each cell on battery day on September 22nd. Not only will Tesla's Cybertruck have a radical design, but it will also include a revolutionary new windshield wiper design. InsideEVs.com has a story where one or two wiper blades will be operated by an electromagnetic block mounted on a linear guide rail. Both wiper blades will fold beneath the windshield for better aerodynamics and appearance. Using the system, more the windshield will be made that much cleaner and use less energy doing so. This will be great for the Cybertruck since its windshield is relatively dead flat. It'll be interesting to see how this performs in cold weather climates with ice and snow buildup. I seem to remember Tesla discussing their patent application for this technology before the Model 3 was released, so maybe we'll actually see it on their Cybertruck in 2021. CNET.com has an article showing that Tesla's made up over 80% of all electric cars sold in the first half of 2020. Data from BuyShares shows that Americans purchased over 87,000 electric vehicles in the first half of this year. Of that 87,000 electric vehicles, 71,000 were actually coming from Tesla. 
of the 71,000 Teslas that were sold during this time, the Model 3 was the most popular vehicle with over 38,000 being sold. The Model Y came in second with over 19,000 being sold despite the fact that there was a factory shutdown. During this time, Tesla sold 9,500 Model Xs and 4,700 Model Ss. Spoiling Tesla's streak was the Chevy Bolt EV. Just over 8,300 Chevy Bolts were sold in the first half of 2020. The next closest brand was Nissan, which sold just over 3,000 Leafs in the first half of 2020. So I'll discuss this trend a little bit further in the podcast when I share my personal history of purchasing and leasing vehicles over the last 22 years. Tesla seeks approval for a new sensor that could detect a child that has been left behind in a hot car. Tesla is currently seeking permission from the Federal Communications Commission to use unlicensed millimeter wave sensors that would operate at a higher power level than currently permitted. These sensors will provide greater depth perception in order to see through soft materials such as a blanket covering a child in a child restraint. The sensor can also see micro movements such as breathing patterns and even heart rates. Using millimeter wave sensors will also better optimize airbag deployment in the event of a crash. Tesla says that these sensors would be more effective than existing weight-based in-seat systems. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says that more than 50 children have died when left behind in hot cars in both 2019 and 2018. Jeff Roberts has more excellent drone footage of the Gigafactory Texas, so I'll give you a small little update including some links to some articles that have been created from inside EVs and Teslarati. The contractor is continuing to work on site prep. There is a large granular pad established in the middle of the job site, and you might be able to see the outline or the orientation of one of the main structures that's going to be built. This granular pad, or megapad, I'm going to call it, is about the size of three to four football fields and is populated with about half a dozen drill rigs. The progress of the site is actually quite remarkable, which indicates to me that Tesla has both perfected the construction of a gigafactory and the utilization of local contractors and trades in the area. So let's get a little personal. Why Tesla? Why now? Well, basically, the reason why I am looking to purchase a Tesla is just born out of the frustration from the whole car buying experience and the general feeling that I'm not getting value for my money. I've been purchasing leasing cars since 1998 because I don't like the idea of inheriting someone else's problem. I take care of my vehicles and my home, and I generally like taking care of them. The first car I've ever owned was a 1998 Pontiac Sunfire, and that was a purchase. It was black in color. The second vehicle that I, uh, that I purchased was a 2008 Hyundai Santa Fe. The third car uh, was a lease. From Ford, it was a Ford C Max, and uh, if anyone knows what a Ford C Max is, good. Uh, a lot of people don't know what a Ford C Max is, so go ahead, Google it, take a look at it. It's it's kind of like um, it's almost like Ford's version of a Prius hybrid at the time. And my current car uh, is another lease. It is a 2019 Mazda CX-5, and it's got that sole red color with a white leather interior, and it's very Canadian. It looks very, <laughs> it looks really nice. But why am I looking to uh, get a Tesla? Well, as I look past my current lease date, which is around September 2022, I think it's time to change my reliance on fossil fuels and ensuring that the next vehicle purchase or lease will be a completely different experience. 
The problem with purchasing and leasing a new vehicle is the fact that the deck is stacked against the purchaser looking for a new vehicle. Even longtime new car purchasers know the dance that needs to be danced every time you look into a new vehicle. And quite frankly, I'm tired of dancing. Once you step foot on a dealership property, you are at a distinct disadvantage. All vehicle purchases are based off of MSRP or manufacturer's suggested retail price. Now there are online services that are available to you that will give you the invoice cost for that particular vehicle for a small price, uh, but at best you'll probably save about 5% off of MSRP. Purchasers need to negotiate a price for the vehicle. And if you are not knowledgeable in the product or its true invoice price, the dealership will use that advantage that they have over you to make the purchase as expensive and as drawn out as possible. The longer it takes you to negotiate a final price for the vehicle, the more expensive it'll be for the purchaser based out of pure frustration to finish the deal. Negotiating a final price is very convoluted and requires participation of several individuals in the dealership, from the salesperson to the sales manager and beyond. Also, keep in mind, everyone that you talk to draws their salary from the vehicle being sold. All you want to do is purchase a product, which in this case is a car of some sort, but everyone in the dealership is either being paid by the sale of that product or the maintenance of the product. Everything on the dealership property is also being paid by the price of the vehicle, which makes the product being sold worth less than a Tesla. Take a good look at a typical car dealership that might be new in your area, and what do you see? Well, first off, the land use is brutal. It's typically a single building surrounded by a very uninspiring sea of asphalt solely for the use to store vehicles. And now look at the building and everything inside the building, all the interior amenities that are set up to help you buy or lease a new vehicle. How many sales associates are running around? How many sales managers are trying to meet their monthly quota? Look at all the people running the finance wing of the dealership. They are also pulling a salary of some sort. Look at the expense of the building. How much does it cost to simply open and operate a dealership on a daily basis? Also, look at the number of dealerships under the same brand. How many are in your city? I suspect that the reason why there are so many dealerships from the same maker is to make it easier for people to purchase or lease a vehicle without driving clear across town. But more importantly, it's the service desk at each dealership. No one wants to have their vehicle serviced at a dealership on the other side of town because it's a pain to arrange for pickup and drop-offs. People would rather have their vehicle serviced close to where they live, which makes sense. As cities expand, vehicle makers are forced to open up new dealerships to match where people are living. An internal combustion vehicle, even if it's new, requires a lot of service and maintenance, and the dealership knows this. They expect this, and they help offset the operating costs of the dealership. All of the costs of running the dealership are absorbed by the cost of the vehicle being sold or leased and the business created in the service area. Traditional dealerships are now slowly moving towards offering their own all-electric vehicles, but the dealership overhead still exists. Not all dealerships have the ability to sell electric vehicles either. You might have a great relationship with your current dealership, but if you want to switch over to an all-electric vehicle, you may have to deal with an entirely new dealership across town who are set up to educate people about purchasing and driving an all-electric vehicle. Now, compare this with Tesla. With Tesla, you do not have a typical dealership. In a given city of around 1 million, you may have one showroom for looking and test driving a Tesla. 
in that same city you of a million, you would typically have one service center for Tesla repairs. In a Tesla showroom, you don't have to talk to anyone if you don't want to because all sales are completed online. There is no salesperson breathing down your neck to initiate a purchase. You may come and go as you please and ask the advisors in the showroom of any questions. Land utilization of Tesla is also very small, thus keeping the overhead for Tesla very low comparison to typical car dealerships. There is also no stagnant inventory of vehicles looking to be purchased either. With Tesla, you don't even have to deal with MSRP. You have the price of the product at that given time. Elon Musk recently mentioned that it only takes two minutes to buy a car online. Sure, there is a three to six week wait for your vehicle depending on the model, but at least you are getting exactly what you want rather than being coerced into buying something that is sitting on the lot. Tesla also has little to no marketing. All their sales are based off of online research by individuals or word of mouth. Once you get to test drive a Tesla, you get it. There is something different with Tesla over other vehicle makers, and that difference is you're getting more from your investment over all other vehicle makers. You can literally feel the difference when you test drive a Tesla, and that feeling is, wow, this is definitely different from what I'm used to feeling. So this is all to say that if you're looking to invest $40,000 in a Tesla, you will get more from your investment from Tesla over any other all-electric vehicle being offered by traditional dealership because Tesla does not have that legacy overhead. Tesla is disrupting the antiquated vehicle purchasing model by not only making the purchasing experience easy and transparent, but the vehicle being purchased is many, many light years ahead of their competition since Tesla has very little overhead. The money spent on what would normally be traditional dealership overhead is actually funneled directly towards the product being offered. That is why they are succeeding and other traditional car manufacturers are having to play catch up. Traditional car manufacturers have to not only create new products in a new automobile segment, but they also have to maintain costs associated with the purchasing experience and the maintenance and servicing of their legacy product. Traditional vehicle makers have to quickly pivot to all electric offerings because they see the writing on the wall. The reliance on fossil fuels, environmental regulations, and public opinion are demanding that change is needed. Tesla is ahead of this change and have been since 2012 with the introduction of their Model S. And as I've said previously, I've been keeping track of Teslas that I see around town versus all other electric vehicles. And this tells me a story. Here in Ottawa, you are two and a half to three times more likely to see a Tesla over all other electric vehicles combined. And what's crazy is that Ottawa doesn't even have a showroom. We're supposed to be getting one in the near future, but we don't even have a showroom, and we just opened up a Tesla service center in January of this year. So this tells me something. The product offered by Tesla is a better investment over anything else currently offered in the EV space. And that is why I look forward to driving my Tesla in the near future. So that should pretty much do it for episode four. Hashtag for this one, if you get to the end of the podcast, let's try hashtag dealership disruption. And as usual, my hashtag for this podcast is hashtag H-I-G-M-T. And if you have any feedback for me, feel free to throw me an email at howigotmytesla at gmail.com. You can always watch my progress by visiting howigotmytesla.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram by simply searching for How I Got My Tesla. Thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by Matt Wilson and hosted by Squarespace. Music for this episode is Cascade by Cubby.